are listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Hello friends, this episode is brought to you by Saucy Farm. Located in Wiggins, Mississippi, they're the premier Australian stock horse stud in North America. Proudly standing are Ballandown Zorro, Hayden Satellite, and Stonebrook Finno. Ballandown Zorro has fresh cooled semen with a live full guarantee. Hayden Satellite and Stonebrook Finno have a limited supply of frozen semen. Ballandown Zorro offspring have proven time and time again that athleticism, endurance, speed, and intelligence are just a few of the qualities his offspring possess on their way to close to 200 Best Playing Pony Awards. Zorro offspring are also exceptional in hunter-jumper and eventing discipline. Hayden Satellite comes from the famous Hayden Horse Stud in Australia and is currently proving himself on the polo cross field. Satellite offspring were awarded Best Playing Horse in international test matches in 2019 and his offspring have now started to make a name for themselves in the jumping arena. Stonebrook Finno is the premier sire in Australia for polo cross. Saucy Farm is near and dear to my heart. By purchasing our two stallions two years ago, Karen and Charles have carried on the legacy of my family and the hard work that my mother put into bringing the Australian stock horses to the United States for the sport of polo cross. All four of my horses are a result of that breeding program, and you just can't go wrong. Saucy Farm and Australian stock horses, the breed for every need. You can find them on Facebook or call 228-263-0930. Are you a Polacross related business? Chucka Talk has a truly global audience. To learn more about advertising here, email me at ryan at polacrossmadesimple.com. Space is limited. Personal fitness is so important in the sport of polacross. Although we can't all look like Stefan Harris, we could all be working towards our own fitness goals. I've learned through personal experience that having a community of friends that share their fitness and nutrition ideas and activities truly can motivate others to follow suit. A rising tide raises all the ships in the harbor. Please join the American Polo Cross Association's fitness community today on Facebook groups. It's called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. It's hosted by the APA's Player Development Program and open to members worldwide. If you see Steph Harris, please encourage him to join for abs motivation. Again, it's a Facebook group called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. Get pumped! On this episode of Chuck a Talk, you'll meet members from the American Polo Cross Association Board. Coming off their AGM a week ago, there's tons to share about what's happening in our association and how you can get involved as an APA member. Also, you hear plenty of commentary on all the different topics and useless banter. Enjoy. Here on Chuck a Talk, the goal is to shrink the pole across world by connecting people together and most importantly to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. 40 minutes of putting Lulu to bed. Oh, uh, there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of bargaining. There's a lot of a lot of promises made. Um, <laughs> like so, what? Like we're going to have so much fun tomorrow feeding horses, taking the does, trash. Does she so, remember these in the morning when she yes. those are normal things what's out of the ordinary why would she go to bed with that kind of crap well i just told her we were going to have a bunch of fun but yeah it's a bit of a shocker getting her to bed these days what's emily's doing right now is she relaxing we did slept for a grand total of two hours last night if she's lucky she is sleeping 
with Jody sleeping as well. So I don't know yet. I haven't been up there, but definitely there was a little bit of pushback. Like, why the, are you doing another Zoom meeting for APA? <laughs> and I was like, ah, it's Ryan's fault. <laughs> well, oh, just yeah. tell her we're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow. No. Give her all these promises. Yeah, yeah. We're going to well, buy her donuts. As that's, long as you do it while thing. she's sleeping. Uh, I hope she's sleeping right now. I hope she is. Welcome, everyone. We've got several people here from the APA board on the podcast. We just had a board meeting over the weekend, and we had a long two-day meeting, and we talked about a lot of great things. There's a lot of awesome things happening in the APA, and this is sort of a special podcast where we can kind of talk about the things that are going on, how you can get involved in the APA, a lot of the different programs and break it down. So it's sort of a public service announcement for APA members who better to talk about these things than some of the board members. So we've got Caitlin James on here, the APA president. Hello. Newly reelected. Got Paul Reppening, vice president. <laughs> Emma Strider, who is newly elected Central Zone Rep. She had her first taste of APA board fun last weekend. <laughs> That's what we call it. It was it a, is a fun weekend. Myself was it everything you expected, Emma? You know, it was. First, I just want, sort of want to start off and just sort of talk about all the different people that are on the board, who was reelected, who was newly elected, for all this hard work that we have ahead of us. Paul is continuing on the on the board. He's going to start his second year of his two-year term. Amy Lewis is still secretary of the board. And Julie Moulton, still the Mountain West Zone Rep. Thea Cross, board at large. And Kate Lahr, board at large. So th- th- they're in their second year of their term. Re-elected, Caitlin James is president. Usually presidents don't last too long, but she's just silly enough to go again. Got Jamie Zito, the Eastern Zone Rep. Got two years, but he was reelected. So we're excited about that. And then I just started my uh, uh, second consecutive term as board at large and uh, newly elected. We have Megan Swift. Many of you know her as Megan, formerly Wagner of the USA World Cup team. What do they call her? Swag. No, the Swag. yeah, yeah, but she's like the the smiling assassin. And then we've got, like I said, Emma Strider, new Central Zone rep. And then we've got uh, Eunice Doltz, who is the new treasurer of the APA. She is quite a blessing. She brings such a lot of professionalism and experience. So we're very excited to have Eunice on board with the APA as treasurer. That's sort of uh, who's on the board and who's new. And let's get into some of the nuts and bolts here, some of the, the guts of it. Why don't you get started, Caitlin, with our reports and, and what what's happening. So you can start off with program and committee reports with the executive committee. Sure. So executive officers, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm really, really thankful for the last two years, what everyone has done. I think there's been a lot of tremendous efforts, you know, in some programs that I hope to see continue going forward. I want to really give a, a big shout out to Amy Lewis for taking such great notes. And then Eunice Stoltz, she was phenomenal this past weekend. I think we're really fortunate to have her. She's an actual accountant, which we've never really had in this position before. So I'm very, very excited to see the progress that that she brings to the the board. I think she's really going to up our game professionally, so to speak. Moving into our programs and committees, our executive committee will be uh, myself, Paul Repenning and Amy Lewis. This is a committee that hopefully we don't ever need to use, but you know it's there in place of emergency or quick turnaround decisions should we need them. You used it last year. We did. We used it. Unfortunately, yeah, we had to, to implement the executive committee to, to postpone a number of things, um, namely the first tournaments of the season, which turned into 
most of the season because of COVID. It was a larger board decision to postpone nationals, but you know, that certainly started that conversation started in the executive committee. That's one of those decisions where some people may have said, Hey, you're calling this too soon. We definitely got a little bit of pushback there, but I, I think I can say that you guys were right. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough call. Last year, it was myself, Charles Ossie, and Jen Kimbra. Charles and I both are part of Grand Bay Polo Cross, and that first tournament was our home home tournament. So it hurt a lot to, to c- cancel that. So it wasn't an easy decision at all. And, you know, back then, things were so unknown. Either way, you know, we pulled through it. We pulled through the year. We made the best of it that we could. And so we're here now, and I think uh, we're making up for last last time. You know, we've got so many things planned for this year and the next that I think it's it's ambitious, but it's doable. So looking forward to it. And just looking back real quick, uh, Paul, what do you remember from last year that uh, you're proud of? You know, as a board, we stood together and made some tough calls related to COVID. We kind of had some good some good discussions, some good fights over that. Uh, but ultimately, I think what we did what was best and safest for our membership. So, you know, that to me was was huge. Unfortunately for me, just because of technical problems and just the lack of tournaments. I mean, we really, as a horse welfare committee chair, which is kind of my secondary role, you know, we didn't get to do a lot of the stuff we wanted to do, which was unfortunate. But uh, I'm hopeful for this year. I'm hopeful that we can make some progress on getting some objective data. Uh, out there so that we can kind of really determine where this what we need to do to kind of make this sport uh, or ensure that this sport is you know doing the best thing for our horses great so that's sort of a sneak peek he's going to talk about some horse welfare initiatives down the road what was your highlight of last year emma i know you got to do a little bit of polo cross at the beginning of the year i was a little upset um for a couple tournaments that were canceled but carl and i made the move to Texas, which was really nice. So we were really open to Nebraska and other mountain zone tournaments, which was really nice that we were able to go to, which was really good. And Carl and I acquired some new horses. So we're, we've been working on young horses this year, which has been really nice. Being able to play in multi-horse tournaments, a couple of them, and play days and such to bring them up into a grade slowly but that's definitely been a highlight of this past year for us yeah big move for you uh, really excited for you to be at 505 equestrian in dallas and just sort of live in the horse dream riding a ton of different oh, yeah. horses definitely yeah riding a lot of horses lots of different horses all different disciplines as well which is really cool and we have a lot of contacts for getting cheap young horses and just cheap horses in general to bring them up uh we're hoping to bring get our hands on these horses and train them for uh d c and b grade horses to sell back into the youth of polo cross which we i think carl and i think personally we really need speaking of carl he's such a legend he was on the world cup team he's tall he's handsome he's soft-spoken he can be funny if anyone out there is looking how to do a polo knot for a tail which is save tape, save the plastic in the world, be sustainable. He can show you that because I was in the polo world and I still can't do it as well as he can. My polo knots will fall out. So if you're looking for a no tape, no nonsense way to quickly do a tail in a pinch, he's your guy. Yeah, he definitely taught me how to do the polo knot. I was not good at it before. Now, do you need big hands for that or can you get away with W finger? I don't know. My hands are not very big and I get away with it. So okay. hopefully hopefully that's not the trick that you need. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, great. Thanks for sharing all that information about last year. Thanks, Emma, Caitlin, and Paul. Let's move into this year and, and some of the things on our agenda that we went through. And it'll give you a taste of the different committees and how the APA works, all the work that we are doing for the membership to the best of our abilities. So the next thing that we have on this list is the crossover challenge. Caitlin, would you like to sort of explain what this is and what we're doing this year with that? Sure. So this is a, it's a really great program designed at bringing, you know, off the track thoroughbreds into polo cross. So bringing more horses into the sport in a, a nice structured manner that gives you know, riders an opportunity to show up their their training skills. Jill Savoy uh, out um, out west really brought this program to life, and she's done a great job soliciting sponsors. We have a great connection with Abracadabra Farms through another of our board members, Jamie Zito, for supplying horses uh, if someone's looking for an off the track thoroughbred to 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 purchase and use for this program. Um, and he does it at a at a great discounted price. Uh, for individuals. You know, we've got people on board for graphic designing, sponsors for for prizes, including, you know, Jackrabbit Tack, the Jockey Club Incentive Program, and of course, Charlie Horse Farms, where Jamie, it's Jamie's home farms. The, the point of this program is they have, trainers have up to a year to train these horses. Well, just shy of a year. And they showcase their skills at nationals. It's important to note here that they don't have to play at nationals. Uh, it's just a pattern. It's a judge pattern. So it gives the opportunity for kind of a short turnaround and there's no pressure to to be part of a team if they're not quite there yet. So um, anyway, it's a great program. We kicked it off last nationals for the first time just for youth. And we had some, uh, we had a great rider, Virginia Carpenter, show up and win that division. Looking forward to it again this year. I think it's really cool, uh, you know, that Jamie has really gone above and beyond to kind of help support this program. You know, he's obviously in Florida where the thoroughbred business is pretty hot. And then Seal is just, uh, Seal Savoy is just exceptionally passionate about it. Um, and so I encourage anybody that's interested in this. It's a great program and both Seal and Jamie are super willing to facilitate and foster this, especially young people to do this. I mean, it's just an awesome program. What was it mimicked off of? There was a, an, another thoroughbred program. So there's the, the thoroughbred incentive program, the tip program. Um, so it goes off of that. And then there's the thoroughbred makeover challenge, which I think is what you're really referring yes. to. Yeah. yeah. So the thoroughbred makeover challenge is, I guess it highlights English and Western disciplines, primarily English, if I'm not mistaken. And you can compete your your thoroughbred, I think, in jumping, eventing, dressage, and also Western. Yeah, and actually, and polo as well. Polo cross hasn't made it. But if you remember a few years back, uh, one of the Caldwell boys won it on one of their horses, which was super impressive. In the As a polo horse, won the whole thing. No surprise that those boys did a great job. Yeah, it's a cool program. Trying to encourage people to bring up horses and train and, you know, sort of show off those skills and work those muscles. You know, if we can rescue, rescue a few thoroughbreds, give them a second chance at, at a different career. That's just awesome. We're excited about the crossover challenge. If you have any questions, you know, come to the APA and we'll help guide you on how you can qualify to be a part of that program. And then it'll culminate at nationals with the actual competition. Next, we're going to talk about the USPC liaison report, but ultimately we're talking about our relationship with the United States Pony Club. I come from Pony Club. I'm a graduate D3. Started in Pony Club in 19. 19- 
89 or 90. That's when it was much harder to become a D3, by the way, if anyone knows. Polo Cross grew because of Pony Club in the East Coast. At least half of the APA was the East Coast at that time. It was because of Pony Club in the early 2000s. It, it made such a, a big difference in our membership. In the last decade, it sort of died off. There's been a lot of just challenges with Pony Club. So we are uh, excited to have Jennifer Carpenter on as the liaison. Just try to do more things we can uh, with U.S. Pony Club. For the first time ever at festival at Pony Club Championships, APA members are allowed to participate, even if they're adults. You might think of Pony Club as just a, a, a kid's organization, but they've expanded it to adult. Now they're allowing... APA members to be a part of it. So we're really excited about that. That's this summer in Kentucky, in Lexington at the at the horse park. So that's a big thing. And then whatever else we can do to help grow Pony Club membership in our association. Does anyone else want to add anything to that? Yeah, the APA, you know, our relationship with Pony Club probably, has, you know, not as strong as it could have been for a long time. And uh, just like you, Ryan, and the other Ryans, Pony Club's been super influential to the sport. You know, I remember in 2001, I was at Kentucky and played at Nationals with Dory Wiseman. It was, a, it was an incredible experience as a young 11-year-old, I guess, 12-year-old guy. It was, it was a blast. I would hope that, you know, we could get some more kids to come from Pony Club and then keep them in Pony Club, too, because I think that that does provide uh, a lot of, um, you know, the horse management skills that you know, really we're not designed to, to kind of teach kids. Uh, and I think that is a, a huge component of Pony Club. Uh, and Jennifer is really doing a great job. Uh, and she's obviously, my wife's on the Polo Cross Committee for Pony Club. Jennifer is nothing but enthusiastic and dedicated. I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do with this. I think she's in a good position to make this happen. I used to wear britches. Uh, exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> It was frowned upon. I remember I was I was called out by Mr. Bowman when uh, probably like in 2002 playing polo cross up well like Maryland regionals because uh, you know I wore cowboy boots and uh, in, in white jeans you know not just regular cowboy boots you know Mr. Bowman called me out at awards and was mad, very mad. Um, so yeah, I'm. I don't think I could squeeze into the white britches anymore, but maybe as a fundraiser or something, Ryan and I will put on our britches and, and play a couple games. I don't know. It could be fun. We've gone through a long progression with Pony Club. It used to be that we were the exhibition sport at championships. I, I went to festival a long time ago. Uh, we were the redheaded stepchildren. Polo cross as a discipline was not a regular discipline. And we went through that phase and then you came along and somehow it kept going in spite of you. Correct. And, th and then we developed some top pony clubbers, including Emma here. You were in pony club. Yes, I went through pony club. I got to D3. Yes. And I did Not easy. everything I could in pony club. I think it was easier when I was in pony club than when you were. Because it did not take a lot for me to get there. But I enjoyed every bit of it. And I just grew out of it and wanted to get competitive with polo cross. So. I would say that's probably the main reason I got out of Pony Club. But looking back, I it definitely made me a better rider and a better horseman, uh, for sure. I enjoyed it. Pony Club had offered some pretty neat opportunities. Me, Dory Wiseman, and now Sarah, or sorry, Dory Johnson, 
uh, now George Johnson, and now Sarah Desai, then another gal, we actually uh, played on an exchange team back in 2004 when we had, you know, four players from the UK come and we, we played at nationals down in uh, Kentucky. And it was a great experience. And so there's no reason that, you know, that could not just be another thing that our young members could be doing. And apparently our older members too, but you know, experiences like that, you know, I, I remember that distinctly. We got demolished, but it was a fun experience to play against the international team and to represent your country. And so there's no reason that that, that couldn't happen for polo cross again. Think about Pony Club and the horse management side. It's, it's kind of like taking dressage lesson. You sort of try to forget it later in life, but you don't realize how important it was when you were going through it. All the extra horsemanship and the rules and being safe with your horse and cleaning your tack and all that stuff. Robbie Shuttles might not think it's cool, but I definitely do. Robbie made fun of me for wearing gloves way back in the day, and uh, he'll keep making fun of me. He'll keep talking about that relentlessly, like Mm -hmm. a bully, like a little bully he is. So let's continue on here. The Nationals report. So we're really excited about Pony Club. We're going to get that going. We're going to get that ramped up. Nationals didn't happen last year but it's going to happen this year. Caitlin, take that away. Sure. Yeah. So we're super excited to host it um, at the Fisk's property in Harvest, Alabama over Columbus Day weekend in October. So very excited. They're generous hosts. It's a beautiful property, you know, phenomenal setting to, to, to be playing, you know, right in the middle of October. The weather's beautiful. We're excited about this year. Um, we're trying like to make a very strong effort to get the membership involved. So we're going to seek out uh, theme ideas and uh, t-shirt designs. So we're going to run a t-shirt design contest. So, you know, submit your ideas and then we can maybe do like a survey and, and vote on, you know, what people like the best. I think we have some really creative individuals out there that would be willing to, to lend their skills. Let's see, what else do we have on you know, we'll be uh, highlighting the crossover challenge that we just tra- talked about. So that'll be on the on the schedule. I would say, you know, the biggest change this year is we are actually currently taking nominations for Nationals Committee Chair. So if there's anyone that's interested, it's um, a big endeavor, lots of time and dedication and effort. But, you know, this is kind of your time to shine. Bring out what you think is the highlight of our sport and and showcase it in one action-packed weekend with the whole country there. So you know, if anyone's interested or you know someone that would make a great fit, we are looking for that person right now. You've left out the whole history of Harvest Alabama. It's been, we've had so many nationals there, haven't we? Well, you should, yeah, no, we have. So it was hosted there. The last two nationals were hosted there at least. So you'll have to forgive me because I've only been playing polo cross for about seven years. So I'm gonna toss it back to you guys. <laughs> Putting Caitlin on the spot. No, uh, Harvest Alabama is our home for nationals. We've had it there for quite a long time. There are lights there. It's a phenomenal place. It's in you know, it's sort of south center of the country. It's in a great central location for many people to get to. It's only 20 hours from me, so that's exciting. From Colorado, it's probably about the same. It is a central place where we can all come. It's not like Australia where we have to go around the edge of the country. You can actually cut through a little bit with the United States, so it's not that bad, but it will take a couple of days for me to get there. But no, I'm really excited about it. Uh, really showcase the sport. We didn't get to have it last year, and uh, we're going to battle to for that belt buckle because the U.S. is the only country that fights for a belt buckle for nationals. That's our 
award. I was gonna say that's a time honored tradition. We're not um, gonna step away from that. I think everyone's always excited to go for that each year. Yeah, who here has a belt buckle? Caitlin's. It's it's any day now for Caitlin. Uh, I have confidence that Emma will be there shortly. Wait, Emma, you don't have one either. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. Oh, Emma is like burn. No, she's a thousand times better rider. I can't hear you, Emma. Can't hear you. So, I feel I don't feel quite on the sidelines here. In my defense, or I guess in in you all. Oh, call me out. (laughs) No, not quite. I wouldn't say called you out. Uh, That that's certainly not not it. I have a B grade. I don't have A grade. But I have a B grade one. Oh, she does have one. Oh, you do have a I'm getting that. All right, it's just me. Emma, I thought you were I <laughs> we'll thought you were on my side of this. <laughs> Caitlin, we'll get you uh, a president's buckle. You'll just have to pay for it yourself though. Okay. Thanks. Oh, Emma's think... showing it all. Oh, no, so she's got it. She's wearing it. She wears it on No, no, so not even the buckle. I don't I used to. No, my grandfather made the belt. Oh, yeah, your grandfather. It has every single horse I've ever ridden on it. Oh, that's really cool. Gonna, you're going you're gonna to need to gain some weight if you keep that thing up. <laughs> or smaller horses. I don't There's know. There's about 10 holes in it, but it, it works for me. I have a B grade and two A grades. Actually, I only have one of my A grade buckles. I gave it to some. I don't know if I traded Simon Shearing or something, but I think he lost it. I don't know. It's somewhere in another country. Uh, it's kind of sad. So we're going for that that belt buckle, and it'll be a great event. It'll be in October 8th through 10th. It's a three-day event. It starts on a Friday, ends on a Sunday, and then I'll drive 20 hours back. It's exciting. Paul, are you going to national? I don't know yet. That's a great question, Ryan. I would like to. You know, it, it'll be – it would – it's only 13 hours for me, which is uh, is tangible. It's a whole new world. Uh, we have yet to travel that far with our children. I'm terrified of doing that. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So I, I, I guess I'm going to hope that if nothing else, you know, at least even if I don't get to play there, maybe I can get a hall pass just to fly down uh, and be there um, to support nationals. But uh, ideally, yeah, I'd love to play down there, be a filler. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I've, I've been to plenty of nationals, though. My first one was in 2001, and actually that was the first time. You didn't get a buckle that year, but that was in Santa Fe. Ryan, Ryan, and I went down there, and it, and it was so awesome. Back when we used to do rotating nationals, great facilities, so cool, you know, being a young kid, seeing everything. But yeah, hopefully I'll make it to Harvest. I mean, the real question is babysitters. So you're saying you don't want to travel 13 hours with your sister or your mom? What's the deal here? Oh, no, I, I would not do that either. Certainly not. No, it's, uh, you know, like the, the amount of potty breaks, uh, the amount of crying. We only have one iPad. I feel like by then Jody might be able to like get into an iPad. So we'll probably have to invest in a second iPad. Steve Jobs never let kids use iPads. Uh, when you have full-time help, I'm sure it's easy to not let your kids just get on an iPad. But for us humans that uh, actually have to raise our own children actually i i don't know steve jobs that's unfair of me i'm just assuming because he's super rich that he had a full-time nanny you start off ryan and this is totally off topic but you'll find out that you start off parenting with a lot of standards you set for yourself which pretty much immediately crumble fed bathe bathe is really plus or minus clothed again plus or minus but fed 
we always keep her fed and she, you know, the heat's, she's always got heat in the winter. That's all I can promise her anymore. If you need to start a GoFundMe, Paul needs a full-time nanny for nationals, just for nationals. We're willing, he's willing to take an exchange person from another country if they oh, want to yeah. watch nationals. Yeah. This global is podcast. Yeah. I forgot this is such a global podcast. Yeah. I would love like a, like an Australian au pair to come and uh, be our nationals au pair. Are we in Papua New Guinea yet? I don't know. You tell me. Are, are you broadcasting there? Are people downloading you in Papua New Guinea? I don't know. Well, look into that. All right. What's next, Ryan? Oh, you want to move on? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we should. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about player development. And this is where it's going to get fun. Super fun. I'm gonna, do I need to put a time limit on you for this one? I know you're excited. This is not an APA board meeting. You are not in charge. You cannot okay. bully us around, Paul. Okay. Now we're going to delve into player development, which is a huge committee that I'm happy to chair, but I'm actually pretty good at delegating and finding the right people to help me along. And I'm just going to go through it and uh, kind of tell you what's going on with, with the program. So number one, we have the coaching accreditation program. And this was started in the beginning of 2019. Oh. It's our certification, and we have level one certified coaches. Uh, last year, we certified a couple more. For 2021, we are looking to create a drills book. Our certified coaches will contribute their ideas, and we will put together a drills book for the APA to utilize. We're going to also try to work on the level two certification, what it takes, the process for getting to the next level because all of our coaches are basic level one certified. In this podcast, I think it's important to kind of talk about why someone should get certified because we, we, there's a lot more people out there that are quite capable and eligible to become certified. And so I want to kind of go through why get certified and what we're looking for, the different qualities of a certified coach. And so if you're out there, if you're an APA member, you want to get certified, let me just talk to you. So number one, why get certified? There's prestige. You'll receive designated shirts and hats to kind of set you apart. You'll be part of an elite group and visual at tournament. You'll have a certificate of accreditation. You can put on your wall. You can put on your, your CV. You can coach APA teams. We do not allow international coaches that aren't certified. For instance, Robbie Shuttles is a World Cup coach now, and he is a certified coach. Professional pay. We sort of leave the money up to you as a certified coach. You kind of do your own thing and set your own your own pay. But basically, as a certified coach, you can get paid to, to coach people. Uh, we don't expect it to be on a volunteer basis, so we treat you to be. We expect you to be treated like a professional. Uh, there's there's training as well as a certified coach. You'll be provided training camps to improve your skills alongside your peers. Uh, you'll be sought after. There's actually an APA certified coach directory. And so when people are around the, the country are looking to uh, set up clinics, they can look at that list and find out if you're near them or if you're willing to travel. So then you'll be sort of a sought out uh, coach. Marketing, as I said, you'll you know featured on the APA website in the directory, but also uh, social media. As an APA representative, you can uh, kind of take the spotlight there. And as I talked about tales earlier, we had Carl and Emma teaching during COVID how to do tails and their certified coaches. There's liability coverage. If you're a coach to the APA, you're covered under our umbrella policy. So that's cool. So those are some reasons why you should get certified. 
what we're looking for in a level one certified coach are these, these different characteristics. So this is a lot of people. Number one, you demonstrate safety in all teaching situations. Number two, you can teach basic riding skills and horse maintenance. Uh, number three, you teach fundamentals of tacking the polocross pony. Number four, introduce and teach the concept of polocross equitation, so how to ride for polocross. Number five, safety. Uh, you can teach basic racket mechanics. Number six, teach basic defensive skills, including swinging and riding off. Seven, introduce personal fouls. Introduce that to a group. Eight, present fundamental game format and, and uh, the associated strategies. Nine, safely teach a fundamental series of polocross and riding curriculum to an individual or small group building towards the progression of a student to participate in coaching chuckas. So you can take a brand new person and within several hours, you can actually have them playing an, a, a pull across chucka. So it's very basic. And number 10, you demonstrate the ability to safely maintain group control while teaching a coaching chucka. So being able to keep control of that group, keeping it safe, that's the, the first and foremost, and then sort of giving them a, a basic outline of how the game should run. How to become certified. Uh, there's an application on the APA website. You must be a current APA member. You must pass a criminal background check. It's only $6.95. Those results come to Wade Liner, who is the administrator who does sort of behind the scenes uh, paperwork for the program. You must complete the CDC Heads Up Online Concussion Training. That's a free program. And that's uh, it's a great thing to have in your tool belt to learn about concussions and, and how to recognize them and deal with them. You also need to complete the safe sport online training. That's free as well. And that's, that's from the U S Olympic committee. And it basically teaches you how to deal with, with coaching younger players and, and using your power in the right way. And the last thing, sign the APA's code of conduct. So there's the process for becoming certified. I talked to you why you should become certified and I talked to you about what we're looking for in a level one certified coach. So if you're interested, find the application on the APA website and we'll direct you there uh, to get certified. So Ryan, uh, about this coaching program. So you said Robbie Shuttles is certified level one? Yes. So how did he get past that criminal background check? That's what I want to know. I mean, I don't know. There was a presidential waiver involved. Oh, Okay. All right, yeah. oh. Yeah, uh, just so that's good. can you edit this out? No, we're no, not no. editing this good. out. Yeah, I don't know. How can you trust someone that just seems so squeaky clean? And I know, like, know. there's got to be something going on there. No, Ryan. In all seriousness, uh, super, super cool program that you started. And I know it's uh, it's in its infant stages right now. I I can't tell you. You know, I see pony club people around here all the time through my sister. Uh, who's a DC of our local pony club. And they're always asking me like, oh, can, can somebody come do a clinic? We'd love to do a polo cross clinic. 15 years ago, I would have loved to have done. And now that I can say, hey, go on the APA website, shoot a mass email out to all of these people, see which one can come to your area and do it and pay them accordingly. And you'll get some top-notch instruction. That goes a long way versus you know me doing it, which would be oh terrible. They can get somebody like you or somebody like Emma or Carl on a weak moment, maybe even Robbie Shuttles. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great. It's just awesome program. So good work, man. Oh, thank you, Paul. Well, it took 
it took uh, the effort of many to put that program together. So, but we're very proud of it as the APA. We would just want people to take advantage of it. Next thing I want to talk about the international tour program. Because of COVID, everything was canceled last year. We had a, a tour lined up with New South Wales, the under 16. We're gonna we we're gonna restart that exchange. We're, there was supposed to be a European quadrangular. Northern Hemisphere, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Northern, yeah, Northern Hemisphere. Hemisphere. Those were canceled last year, and unfortunately, they've been sort of canceled for this year. We're hopeful maybe something with New South Wales, but we're just not sure. So we're assuming that most of our tours will be canceled again this year. An alternative to that, to, to having an international exchange, either going somewhere or having a country come here, we are starting the Global Connect, which is an avenue for members of the APA to uh, reach out to us, more namely uh, Susan Hatch, our international liaison, and to be connected to players from all over the world, to basically families that might be willing to host someone. She has connections with all the different countries, and it's a way for you to say, hey, I'd like to travel internationally, and it's a way for her to connect you. Also, if you would be willing to host someone, that's another avenue where you can say, hey, I'd love to host somebody, and she can put that message out there to all the associations, and see if anyone wants to travel over here on sort of an individual 1Z, 2Z basis, you know, COVID permitting. That's our Global Connect program. It's brand new, and uh, it sort of came out of necessity because of COVID and all of these tours being postponed. Looks like Caitlin had something she wanted to add to that. Yeah, so I was going to say, before even the COVID situation, France was hoping to do just a social youth tour, and so we are actually still looking potentially over the summer or fall. You know, it may in fact coincide with nationals depending on their school schedule, but COVID aside, we're looking to host two to three kids, you know, if, if travel allows uh, before we even get the global connect up, those that country was looking for that. So if anyone wants to host them, it's a great opportunity. Great. Paul, did you ever go anywhere internationally? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Not through the APA, but I went down to Australia right after high school and uh, played down there with Maitland. Stayed with Peter Kesby and worked for him. But no, never with the APA, never, you know, through an official capacity. And I think I probably, I really enjoyed what I did, but maybe maybe there's a lot of things I could have done if I was part of the APA that I didn't get to do. So yeah, it's kind of a regret of mine. And unfortunately, it's probably, I'm probably past ever doing one of those things. What did you lie to the Kesbys about for them to accept you into their home? I didn't lie. I think it's less about my moral structure than, you know, the Kesbys just kindness. I think that's really what that was about. Peter, Peter and I really hit it off when he was out with his daughter on a tour in America. I don't know why they they let me come over there. It was, a, it was a little bit crazy, actually. I was pretty shocked. But man, it was a blast. It was just such a blast. And uh, maybe with this global connecting, we can get more opportunities like that going on, right? Peter was just a, a farmer. You know, he had a cattle operation and his, his horses. And he, he really just needed a little bit of help. I think there was probably better candidates out there in the world. But, you know, maybe with this global connecting, guys like you know, in Peter's situation, would be able to find some starving Americans that wanted to come over to Australia and, and get away from everything here and play some pole across. So uh, that's a super exciting thing going on, that Global Connect. And I hope we see that come to fruition soon. Would you say that it's uh, your love of cattle that made you become a veterinarian? Man, no, it was, it was probably meeting 
uh, Doc Murphy. And uh, I was like, man, I got to be that guy. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I don't know why the hell I came with that. I <laughs> question it every day. Emma, let's hear about your international experiences. You've been everywhere. So my first international experience was to Australia, and I stayed with the Parks family. The Mackenzie Parks was the daughter. That was on the U16 tour. That was awesome. Really, really enjoyed it. It was really amazing. And then my next international tour was not till... So that was in 2014, and my next one wasn't until 2017 in South Africa on the World Cup longlist team that played in the quadrangular in Moy River. And that was also extremely amazing. Super, super fun. I turned 18 while I was there, which was really cool. Great play in both places. Every single time I go overseas, I learn so much, so, so much. The most I learned was when I went back after the World Cup team was chosen. I went back with Kat and Braxton and I stayed with those Sullivan's, so Patty O'Sullivan and uh, Gordon Shaw. They hosted me while I was there, and they were both families were just absolutely amazing. Truly, truly great people. They put me on amazing horses, and I had an absolute amazing time while I was there. Learned so much from everyone, the host clubs, my host families, everyone. It was really, really great, and I can't wait to see them again, hopefully at the next World Cup. So is that when you went to a high goal? Or was that later? Mm-hmm. So when I went and stayed with the host families, that was at the high goal um, in South Africa, in Shanguini. I saw a high goal there, and that was that was amazing. The best yeah. play of pull across I've ever seen. Ooh, this is called foreshadowing. We've got something else coming up. So that's a little hint. Caitlin just yawned. <clears throat> <laughs> Are you not drinking coffee, alcohol? No, I just have, you know, half a glass of wine so far, which is pretty much, you know, like a sleeping pill. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin, we're putting her to sleep with all these wonderful no, stories no. of internet. Would you say Texas is the most foreign country you've been in with polo cross, Caitlin? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Being from Maryland, Texas is about as far as I've been. Uh, I have a pretty limited uh, resume for my polo cross experience. I unfortunately didn't know about the sport until after college. So I'm actually very jealous of all of your guys' experiences and travels abroad. Um, didn't get to partake in all of that, but making up for it stuff being an adult paul basically can't leave his house pretty much but caitlin you could be on an adult adult tour like were you gonna be on the quad team you know i'm still not remember how we talked about me not having a buckle i'm just like not there yet (laughs) but i think that that the the international opportunities that are you know the apa is working on you know susan hatch has been doing a great job i don't think that they're limited to the the ryan murphy's the ms driders the Raul decides, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think that she's really working hard on, you know, getting people that are serious about polo cross that would represent our country well, but they don't necessarily, you don't have to be America's best polo cross player. You don't have to be Robbie Shuttles Jr. And so I think that's something that we should all keep in mind is that, you know, there's no reason that that Caitlin, who's a, a solid player, but only been playing for seven years, can't go overseas and represent our country and do us proud and have a good time. Susan's doing a, a killer job with international relations. And, and I think COVID didn't let her manifest that this year. But in the years to come, 
expect some great things from international our international liaison susan hatch she's done a wonderful job and i know she'll continue to do one so take advantage of that program and if you're from another country and you're looking to host an uh an american uh they can be to america you could host a 60 year old person it doesn't have to be a, a kid it's not limited in any way as paul said there you can host there are many people that might be able to travel, uh, like I said, pending COVID, but uh, we'd love to have you over here as well because we learn so much from other countries when they come over here. All right, so that's the international tour program. That's the uh, second piece of the player development program. So we have the coaching accreditation and the international tour program. And then the third piece uh, is called the domestic player development part of the program. Last year, we hosted our very first mega clinic it was in the central zone it was in november socially distanced it went off really well we had over 50 people uh, 50 participants seven coaches daniel johnson basically uh, gave himself for the whole weekend to teach on umpiring uh, it was just a great time emma was one of the coaches she's phenomenal caitlin was the key organizer as far as chasing people down organizing the schedule collecting entries and uh, handling money. So it really couldn't have gone off without Caitlin. And we utilize our certified coaches to, to do that. And actually each coach got paid $500 each, which is above and beyond expenses. That's a great opportunity. Uh, you know, everyone wins in that scenario. The biggest complaint we had was that we didn't go into the evening, you know, not a bad complaint to have, right? People just wanted more. Did a survey monkey and we averaged 4.6 or better on everything. So that's pretty good. That's out of five. So uh, it was a huge success. And so this year, COVID pending, uh, we would like, we are planning to have one mega clinic in each zone. Got in Fruita, Colorado for the Mountain West zone. We are shooting for, I believe, the weekend of June 5th, which is my birthday. And then we've got in the Eastern Zone at uh, Heartland Polo Cross Club, Jennifer Carpenter's Club in August. So we're going to have the Eastern Zone Mega Clinic there. We're going to do the Central Zone Mega Clinic again in, or in the end of October. That's the initiative from the APA. We're going to have three successful Mega Clinics. So that's very exciting. If you're a coach and you'd like to participate in one of those, uh, le please let us know. Uh, but as APA members, this is something where you can take advantage of it. There's two and a half days of coaching. Starts on a Friday, Friday, Saturday, and then half Sunday. Uh, last year, we culminated with Chuckas on Sunday with coaching. So we could go over all the different things that we learned. Mega clinics, that's a big part of the APA and, and what we do for the membership. Look for more information on that. We're going to put together an entry form. It's just going to be a great time. The last part of the player development program and more namely the domestic development program is a new initiative that I have talked about on the podcast before. And that's the high goal. We are, our goal is to have a high goal tournament next year. And it's going to be an APA owned event, which is super exciting for us to host our very first high goal. Uh, South Africa is doing a phenomenal job hosting their events. And uh, we, would, we would love to aspire to be able to pull off an event such as that. Well, I've got Emma Strider here who has been to a high goal and we have yet to come up with a, to actually have a location um, in stone. We've got one in mind. Emma's going to talk to you and kind of go through the bullet points of what our high goal would look like. We're super excited about it. And ultimately, this will help develop our, our players here. So uh, take it away, Emma. 
Um, so we're super excited to be able to host a high goal here in America, which is just crazy and amazing for us. It's, it's amazing that we'll be able to look at polo cross in the professional stage and have it at the most competitive scene that America's ever seen it at, for sure. And have multiple international players here and it'll be truly, truly amazing for sure. And hopefully we'll maybe with polo ties, we'll be able to have it filmed and live streamed and everything, which will be really, really amazing. So our next step here is to just do recruiting and for sponsors and it'll be truly, truly, really good, which we're really excited about. So we'll have four teams with six players, one international woman player and one international male player, which is really good. From that, we'll choose American players, invitation only. And then each American player will have two horses per player at the minimum, which is, and possibly have an impact player for each team as well, depending on numbers and expenses and everything. The MVP, so hopefully we're having Adina World Cup did. I just want to interrupt you really quick. Would you tell me what an impact player is? I'm super interested about that. Um, It has nothing to do with putting your arm into a horse. No? That's an impact, Shen. That's an impact, Shen. All right, continue. No, but seriously, what's the impact player about? So the impact player, just on World Cup teams. So on World Cup, it'll be eight players. So four women, four men. So same thing to do with this. We'll have an impact player, which will be the fourth player. Uh, so it can be subbed in in any chaka. Not at the middle of the chaka, but at any time in between chakas. Oh, cool. So like World Cup is kind of played. The whole event will start on a Wednesday night. And we'll start with the ball, which will be quite large. Hopefully we'll have a bar and everything included and we'll have the players and the sponsors all interacting and really making it enjoyable for the sponsors and making them want to stay and be a very forward event for them. Uh, they'll bid on the wild cards, which will be which for us will be included of all of the international players. So while the wild, the sponsors are bidding on the wild cards. It'll be for the first, second, and third pick of all players from all the countries that we have them coming from. And then after the pick is done, the four Americans from each team and the um, wild and the two wild cards for each team will all sit at the table with their sponsors and be able to interact and they will all be able to drink and have a great night uh dinner will be included with all of that for sure it'll be really nice and it'll be a great event this event is definitely the biggest thing for the sponsors for just feeling involved and just make it a great night for them for sure and then hopefully we'll be able to have a junior event in between the high goal so we'll be able to include juniors within this which will be really really so we'll have each team will play one game per day, and then the finals and third and the third place game will be on Sunday. Could we get an invitation for Caitlin to the junior game? Uh, you know, <laughs> you could play there. Oh, there's gonna be grooms. Pretty young looking. There's I definitely groom. gonna be grooms for the, the juniors. I don't know if I could pass off as a junior anymore. I got a wrinkle here. Oh, Caitlin. <laughs> I think you could pass as a junior. Emma, tell us about the different sponsorship levels we're looking to have for this event so the platinum is going to be the title sponsor so that'll be the biggest sponsor that'll be the sponsor of the whole high goal which is just like south africa's land rover sponsor uh the gold sponsor will be for teams 
So each team will have their gold sponsor and that'll be for each team or maybe one or two per team depending on how many sponsors we get interested in that silver will be prize and mvp sponsors so for all our prizes and the mvp in between at the end of each game we'll have sponsors for all of those and then for bronze that'll be the lowest which is for a board signature on the side of the field so just like you see in soccer and every other sport out there that's the event it's gonna be a wednesday night ball thursday team prep friday saturday sunday games a tremendous opportunity for the apa to put pull across on a uh, spectacle a big spectacle a, a grand scale a lot of what we're talking about sounds like the south african high goal because that's what we're looking to mimic we're going to get the best players from around the world We've already talked to a couple that are very interested. We've got to solidify the location. Uh, once we, we have a really good one in mind, once we have that, then we can move forward. All hands on deck. Like I said, the APA is going to own this event, and there's going to be so many great things that come out of it. Ultimately, we're going to be able to help develop players at that upper level to prepare for World Cup. We're going to be able to hopefully utilize some video for promotional opportunities, uh, develop some great sponsors that we can take with us into the future. So it's it's going to be such a tremendous event. Uh, everyone on this call is going to be on the on that committee. Caitlin, what are you excited about for the high goal? Oh, I just think seeing that level of play here in the states, uh, you know, with those impact players, that's something that, as just a pull across player, I I mean, I would love to be a spectator in the stands and see that. And I think I speak for a lot of our membership. And even those that don't play, but, you know, are enthusiastic spectators, if you can't travel to the World Cup, I mean, this is the next best thing you have to, to witness and, and spectate at. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity. And just the whole whole event, I think it's going to be unlike any tournament we've had here before. We might be able to have a bounce house, a rodeo. Yeah. We're going to do it American style. <laughs> Get a beer sponsor, maybe Tito's Vodka. If you're out there, Tito. We know Tito, by oh, the way. Tito's yeah. from wonderful Austin, Texas. Naturally gluten-free. Emma's sponsor will be Liquid IV, your hangover cure. That's another big exciting thing that's happening. I think that we can pull it off. Like I said, the committee is going to meet. We're going to try to nail down a location and then go from there. But looking for the spring of 2022, uh, we'll utilize a lot of our World Cup development players. Robbie can use that as an opportunity to maybe pick his final team so that would be a great event let's move on so we've done a lot of talk about the player development my program it's 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 my baby i'm so excited about it there's so many different things to get involved with the coaching accreditation program we're going to have you know we'd love to certify more coaches we're going to develop a drills book we have this global connect for the international tour opportunities for individual players to get connected to uh, people around the world we've got these three mega clinics that the APA is going to put on we're a huge success last year and we look to mimic that this year and then ultimately as we talked about the high goal there's a lot of great things happening with a APA we cover all all bases, all levels, all the membership uh, to be a part of this program. If there's anything that got you excited, please take part in these tremendous programs. Something that's almost exciting as player development, we're going to talk about the ratings committee now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you know, ratings are something that can be a really important thing when it comes to planning a tournament, developing your teams to make sure that they're equitable and make sure that we have safe play on the field. 
right? And we've been really fortunate with the APA that Jamie Zito for the last year has been willing to do that uh, on his own accord. Uh, he does that all out of his own pocket. We really appreciate him doing that, you know, but we're also excited about, you know, possibly getting some more people involved with the ratings program to see if we can make it better. We know it's not perfect, but it's an important part of our association for as we grow, especially. I wanted to give Jamie a big, you know, a thank you for, for what he's done uh, for the APA over the last year. And uh, we'll continue to do this upcoming year. Uh, and uh, I think if anybody has any questions or concerns about the ratings program, you know, Jamie is, is very willing to talk. Uh, anybody that's ever met Jamie knows that he is always willing to talk. Give him a call. Uh, he's accessible typically between 7 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. Best time to get him because he's usually on the road. That's usually when he calls Caitlin and I. Give him a call. I've never had him not answer a call. He loves to talk on the phone. Give him a call. And there's nothing more that he likes to talk about than polo cross. And let me give sort of a public service announcement about ratings. I'm sorry. They're not a personal badge of honor. They do not reflect you as a person and, how, and your, your worth on this earth. Ratings are to make fair and safe play. Our rating system is from, what do you call minus two up to 20? Yeah, they, I'm below that. So... <laughs> So we're on a 20 point scale and we're a small enough organization that we end up playing a lot of sectionals. We are that 20 point scale actually helps us because if you're putting three players together and you have that 20 point scale, it's like being on the 10 point scale and having half points. And so our ratings tend to be right there where they need to be to keep fair and safe play. If your rating is off one or two points, it's not the end of the world. Don't take it personally. But like, like Paul said, Jamie is there to talk. If you have any concerns, uh, if you have a brand new member in your club that you'd like to get rated, let Jamie know, tell him what you think about that player, and then he'll be happy to look at them at, at that next tournament. So we don't know what we'll do without Jamie, but we're going to take advantage of, of him giving himself to this program, rating players. Uh, he does the best he can. He's fair. He's always on the, the sideline in the, in the uh, scoring booth, giving his perspective. And that just keeps them level across the board. We've done committees before where we have several Raiders at a tournament. And it's just hard when you're playing to watch all these players and be fair. So we have one person, that's Jamie Zito right now. And we're so proud of this program. I know that everything I said about what ratings are uh, just went one, in one in ear, ear and out the other. And you're going to be mad about your rating getting changed one or two points. But at least I said my piece. I can feel good about that. So that's ratings. Any more comments about that? No, we don't want to talk about ratings anymore. Okay. The umpiring program. We are getting close to the end of this agenda here, but we're going to talk about the umpiring program. Okay. So uh, we are very excited to have Raul Desai take the lead for our umpiring program. He was our, well, now former Eastern Zone uh, umpire representative. So as he steps up, he'll be backfilling his former role. Um, and so he's got a letter out to the membership, which hopefully you all have the opportunity to, to read and look at his initiatives. He's, he's already stepped up. I think he's going to be a great, very active umpire. So if you have any questions, concerns, you want to volunteer, help out in any way, you know, look to him. I was going to focus on the rule book. Right. So um, one of the, the features of the umpire program, right, of course, is our rule book. And so that should be we're working on pulling in our, our advertisements for that for this year. So if anyone's interested in advertising, 
you know, let me know. Uh, you'll see that coming out soon. He's going to be really kind of a stickler for those tournament reports. So should anything occur at a tournament, you know, he's going to help us develop and create a good repository so that, you know, we're able to, to track things tournament to tournament. Cause I know we have a lot of people that travel across the country. It's, it's important for us as an organization to be responsible for that kind of information and data. So that again, everyone is having a fair and safe opportunity on the field when they, when they walk out there. So read his, his letter to the membership. I have a really good feeling about this year. Um, and I will, I'll be upfront, you know, we put some stipulations on him in taking this position, the biggest being resurgence of our umpire certification program. So we were pretty strict. We told him that he needs to have a skeleton draft of that to us by April 1st. This is helpful in a number of ways. It's one establishing, you know, those higher level umpires that can serve as your tournament umpires, but also, you know, for those, those players that are out there that want to become a better umpire uh, or maybe just understand the rules better, you know, as a player, you're out there and you feel like maybe you got an unfair call. Did you get an unfair call? Do you really know the rules well enough to, to say that? Have you been an umpire before? Do you know what you're, what they're looking for, not looking for, et cetera? So, you know, that program that we're asking for from him is going to address all of those concerns. Cause I think, and I don't think, I know for sure, we did a survey in 2017. Umpiring by and large is one of the most important aspects of playing. That's one of the reasons people don't want to come back. You know, you have a bad game um, and you feel that you're, you're, not have a bad game. If you're out on in a match and the umpires are not making good calls, they're not calling things, they're making bad calls, either way, I mean, it can really destroy that game or even the whole tournament for you. And that experience leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And why do you want to travel 10 plus hours to a tournament if, if they're not even going to call the rules for you? So this program should hopefully uh, bring that level of umpiring up to snuff so that all of our players have a fair fair shake as soon as they step on the field. So hopefully I kind of explained that well enough. Again, you know, it's not ready yet, but we've, we've asked that of him and I'm confident that he'll deliver that to us. Kind of has that Napoleon complex. So I think <laughs> hopefully he'll take advantage of that. He'll probably allow full arm length gloves for his racket side. The elbows. Yeah. We print rule books every year for our membership. And there's an opportunity to advertise there. At this point, we, we've sold our cover slots, but we are still looking for inside pages. So those are $100. They are black and white. Um, so if anyone's interested in one of those ad spots, please you know, contact me, let me know. There, there's no limit. So whoever wants to advertise, you know, we have a spot for you. And I will also put out there kind of a teaser, but I think we have a, a big sponsorship coming with a, a boot maker and that should hopefully be a new program that we'll be announcing in that rule book. How about that? That sounds great. <laughs> I'm not going to even try to mimic <laughs> that, but yes. It's Brian, the Canadians exciting. listening might be offended by your mockery. Hey, Leslie Plant's got my back. Okay. Mess around. So if you, got beef, if you got beef with me, okay. ask her. Anything else on the umpiring program? I mean, we've been waiting for a certification program for a while. We used to have one back in the good old days. People had specialized uh, umpire jerseys with patches, but we just haven't been doing that. We haven't been training. We've been training in, in, in one way. We've had good representation at tournaments. We need to formalize it and make it more welcoming and easy for people to get involved with the program and get certified, know what it takes, just like the coaching accreditation program. 
So I look forward to Raul uh, taking that head on. Uh, we do have his feet to the fire. And I think that uh, he'll get a lot done. So very excited with the umpiring program. As Caitlin said, if you're having a bad time playing, you're getting beat up, you're not getting fouls called, it always happens in the lower grades, you're not going to want to keep playing. Umpiring is really the most important thing that the APA can provide for its membership, fair and safe play. We have high expectations for that program. Next thing is communications. Let's have Caitlin introduce our new communications chair. Yes, so Megan Mitchell, uh, she's from Texas. She was extremely excited to to be nominated for this position and she's got some great ideas and a lot of enthusiasm you know when you look at our communications know that she's behind that if you reach out to our Facebook page there's a couple of us on there but there's a good chance you'll be talking to her so um, I'm really looking forward to working with her. World Cup? Yes so as many of you probably already know Wade Liner is our World Cup chair Um, we've had several announcements recently we have Leslie Plant as our team manager you know coach Robbie Shuttles we announced that as well the long list has been established so that's in full swing so I think you guys are I say you guys I know that some people are are on that long list but uh, you guys are working on a schedule you know getting out there getting some practices under your belt Um, so we're kind of ramping up but still in the early stages you know expect fundraising to be in full swing and we're also looking for again sponsorships um so if anyone's interested in specifically sponsoring world cup maybe you should see that that kick into full gear here soon awesome business development we are cruising (laughs) yes so business development uh again i'm really excited to have this individual come on and help help us so adam dial he's uh, local here in mississippi Uh, He's a great, great big time thinker. So I'm excited to pick his brain and utilize his experience uh, looking, you know, kind of thinking of our association from a a business and pragmatic standpoint. I think we um, were in desperate need of that big, that big picture thinking. And uh, he has the brain and mindset for that. So he'll be on board looking for sponsorship, partnership opportunities with various businesses and and, um, other organizations that we can you know, mutually benefit from. Great. All right. Just a couple more things left here. We do have some new business. We've been trying to deal with player percussion protocols, having, trying to ha- have, find the right way to deal with uh, players. Player fall- safety. Yeah. Player safety. So we actually came up with a couple of motion and these, these have been a long time coming. Uh, but Caitlin, do you actually have those written out? Yes. So I think, I'm going to kind of, kind of step through this if you, if you don't mind. So, you know, kind of the first important aspect is every tournament is now required to have an emergency response plan. So this is just a written, you know, pre-thought out, pre-meditated plan should an emergency arise. And so that emergency response plan is part of your sanctioning form. When you fill it out, it addresses things like the exact location of your tournament, uh, what hospitals are closest, hospitals with a CAT scan, you know, should you need to lend a helicopter, you know, latitude, longitude, and, uh, you know, some other details. Uh, and so it's important for you to fill this out accurately and have it readily available at all of your score tables. So, you know, not just one field, you don't want to be rushing to field one if an accident should happen on field two. So, Having that at all tables uh, is super critical. So one of the, the new steps that we established through this weekend is the position of a health safety representative. So this person, again, needs to be identified on your sanctioning form, and it needs to be a non-riding, heads-up, concussion-trained 
individual that is field side with a scat card. And so this is important. Um, this heads up concussion training is super critical in establishing if someone who has fallen is potentially suffering or is definitely suffering from a concussion. Um, and that scat card is, is critical to that. It's a number of well-established questions that help create, you know, create that baseline to determine whether they should seek additional med- medical advice. Past that, you know, we really felt that this this wasn't enough because, you know, there are concussions, but there, you can have a number of injuries in our sport. It is a high, high risk sport. You know, we, we move at quick speeds, you know, we're on a horse. So thing, things can happen. And I think we all need to be cognizant of that, that risk that we take to move forward with this. We, we have a new rule that any tournament sanctioned after February 1st. So it's in effect, you know, as of now, if they are hosting a tournament with 40 or more players, they must have a first responder present. And this can be an EMT, paramedic, or firefighter. Uh, What's important, though, is all of these individuals are going to be state licensed, current and practicing in their field of specialty, and are really going to be able to treat, uh, you know, emergencies immediately and appropriately. They're also, you know, critical in that first response should uh, an ambulance or other emergency vehicle be needed to transport the individual to a hospital. You know, those are our kind of our three steps. And we're trying to, you know, get everybody at a, a higher level of, of care and prevention for our rider safety, which I think is of the utmost importance, especially I'm an adult. There's kids out there. And I think it's incredibly important that those those kids are, are looked at after you know, as well as the adults. I mean, I would like to be, should I fall? I'd like that person there as well, being prepared and responsible. That's what this is about. Paul, I mean, this has come out of necessity because we had a lot of falls last year. Just kind of walk me through that experience that you had as a tournament umpire, you know, why this is so important. For us, you know, on the board, we're sitting here and and we just want to try to be, at least be near where uh, some of these other horse sports are. Right. And we want to take care of our players out of moral obligation, you know, not legal, not anything else, just because everyone in there our our little old sport here. We're family and we need to take care of each other like family. So sometimes that means making some rules that uh, ensures that everybody gets that care as best we can. So, yeah, Ryan, Ryan made a good point back in Minnesota. I watched a, a player fall off, you know, in the B grade. It wasn't one that was saw it from start to finish it, it was you know he didn't collide with anybody just kind of fell off he hit his head on the ground we had somebody there look at him you know i talked with him i i know the guy uh, obviously i'm not trained you know my patients don't talk to me i'm not trained in dealing with humans at all he seemed to be okay got back on his horse luckily the people that were with him and uh, even he himself recognized that after he came off the field, he was not right. And he elected to stop play uh, or to stop playing. And it was lucky that he did that, right? It was lucky that he recognized his impairments. And it was lucky that the people with him recognized that impairment because, you know, heaven forfend, he got back on his horse, you know, what, what could have happened? And I, and I hate to know the answer to that question. For us, it was really, we can't just rely on people when they're impaired, you know, from a head injury or from any sort of injury, being able to determine whether, you know, they can, they need to be looked at, right? They need somebody else to come in and say, how are you doing? We're doing the best we can as far as trying to develop some protocols, trying to develop some, some guidelines for that so that we can essentially make sure that we can 
keep people safe, right? And keep people that may have experienced a concussion, let them take the time they need to get their head right and keep them safe. It's a, it's a personal topic for a lot of us. It's been, it's been a big, obviously, you know, all of us in the board meeting knows that this was something really important to, to people and, and people had a lot of different feelings about it. At the end of the day, I think that we all agree that it's for, you know, the betterment of our sport. I apologize when I was going through that, I, I forgot the last piece to this puzzle that we put together here, we are implementing one new rule. So if the horse or rider should fall and hit their shoulder or above, it is required that they be evaluated by that health safety representative before returning to play. So again, in an attempt to head off any kind of concussion um, situation, we've placed, put that in, in place to help help with that. We also recognize that there is a financial burden on, on some locations to be able to afford a first responder. And so we're working on initiatives to be able to help with, with that situation. Uh, because ultimately, we, we, we would like to have a first responder at every tournament. We actually have that. Uh, that's a very good point. We were able to put that into our budget. So, you know, if, if a club is in a hardship situation and is unable, you know, they want to have more than 40 players, you know, we don't want to prohibit, you know, play and, and the progression of polo cross. So, you know, we have a hardship committee. We are establishing a hardship committee to be able to assist in that situation should there be um, extraneous expenses that are beyond what they would normally be able to handle in their budget. But yes, you're right. I think it varies state by state. This is a complicated discussion. You know, every state's a little different. It varies from some states getting responders for free, others that pay a nominal fee to, to states where it's quite expensive. So, you know, this was what we felt a fair solution to all of those situations. So Paul, would you mind speaking on the horse welfare as our last topic and sort of what's going on with that? We were hoping this year to get some more objective data, essentially the exertion of which our horses go through. And in America, you know, I would say traditionally played, each horse would play four games to eight minute chuckas per horse, right? Uh, that's evolved since kind of around the time we've we started the overhand throw and uh, assimilating to international rules that we do four games of three sixes. And I think that in, in some countries, uh, they also do this. Uh, but, you know, probably that isn't the norm in every country that, that all horses would play. Uh, four games of three sixes for kind of a couple reasons you know Ryan brought it up to me and I was like wow that sounds like a great idea this idea that you know maybe four games of three sixes is possibly too much for American polo cross right uh, or for any polo cross for that matter because it's all hard and I think there's been a few tournaments this year that have done it uh, specifically I was at the Minnesota tournament where we did it and it was basically you know, it takes some planning from a tournament planning standpoint, but essentially you play two games Saturday and then your finals are Sunday. And then after that, you have an opportunity for a social game within your grade. And that's a great opportunity. You know, if you've had a spare horse that you've been umpiring on, maybe it's green to the game, you can bring it into play at the level of play that you've been playing. So not going down to C grade or B grade if you're you know, playing A grade, 
you know, because there's problems with that too, but playing within your grade and everyone recognizes that it's a social game. It, so that's a great way to bring in these young horses that we've been talking a lot about. We, we hope to see more tournaments kind of adapt that because it really works well from not only a horse welfare standpoint, but from a logistical standpoint. Sunday night, everybody's trying to get home, got work to do Monday morning. A good way to get people on the road a little bit earlier, right? To take away that, that last, you know, that the very last game is your final. It really works. And I hope that we can play around with that more this year. And certainly we aren't mandating it as an association, but we, we'd like to see it. We'd like to see some more tournaments try it and see how it goes. I'd love to have more energy from you, Paul, but uh, you're tired and you have young, young children. Ultimately, this three plus one is a great concept because we traditionally play four games uh, on a weekend. And I know that, you know, that's not the end of the world, but our country, we, we travel the furthest for an average tournament, average of 10 hours. And so we bring our horses this long way and then we play four games on a weekend and we go put them right back in the trailer and travel home because we have to get to work Monday. It is just tough on the horses. This three plus one concept allows you to play a final, your third game on fresh legs Sunday morning. There's a lot of teams that are still vying for that final. Uh, if there's four games. And so they might have to play really hard that Sunday morning while there's other teams that are pretty much ready and set for the final and they sort of go a little bit easier. And so what you end up having is a fourth game on a Sunday afternoon on tired legs. And it's just not the best situation for the horses. So I think that all the stress we put on our horses this three plus one concept is a great thing and we should try it more. Uh, we created this because we just wanted to, like I said, improve uh, welfare for horses. But there's this other thing called multi-horse. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm sure Emma would love to talk about it. There's a need for it. We want to bring in more, uh, more horses. And so this multi-horse allows you to play multiple horses in every game, much like polo. So we're open to that as an association. Uh, ultimately, where I'd like it to see, uh, see it happen is an A grade in a couple tournaments a year. Definitely not at a regionals, definitely not at a nationals. We, we, I don't want it to become the norm. Emma disagrees with that because I, I want it to be to remain a one horse sport. So I see the need for it a couple tournaments a year, but this three plus one concept is another alternative where we can keep it a one horse sport for three games. You play whatever you would like Sunday afternoon. Players like Robbie Shuttles have said, hey, I'd love to get on the road that Sunday afternoon. So they, they might opt out of that game. But, you know, ultimately, we're playing finals on fresh legs. That is our initiative, the three plus one concept. Go ahead, Paul. In the effort of being fully disclosed, you know, uh, while Ryan is being very diplomatic and saying, you know, that as the association, we are open to multi-horse. And I think as an association, uh, we probably are. Personally, I uh, obviously we've talked about this in previous podcasts. I'm opposed to it. And I'm hoping that by doing this three plus one, that we can really let those horses come into the sport at a in-play situation so that we don't have to dilute kind of what I consider to be the true tenets of American polo cross or polo cross in general, right? I mean, this, is, this isn't something that we invented here in America, uh, the single horse concept. So I'm going to be the curmudgeon and just throw that out there right now and just say uh, it's something that I... I personally will be advocating that we that we try to find new ideas that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you're competing for 
for a buckle or something like that, for sure, you will be playing that one horse unless it comes up lame. And I think that's critical, right? Because that is, it really is truly the, you know, a fundamental part of our sport. Raul is our new chief umpire. He's definitely open to multi-horse. He's 95% African, but no. So Emma, you can speak your piece. How, how much do you want to see multi-horse? I know you're a big, big proponent of it. So we'll let the young progressive person speak here. I'm definitely for it 100%. I'm not going to disagree with that whatsoever. Um, I totally agree at regionals and nationals. It should definitely be a one horse unless your horse goes lame. But there's no, no reason really at other tournaments because we have so few for each person to go to that can actually make it two. And I definitely agree that we should have a multi-horse tournament, multiple multi-horse tournaments to where we can bring our young horses up through. Because there's no tournament where we go to if it's not a one a multi-horse tournament or 31 tournament style that you guys were talking about. We're going to pick our younger horse that's very inexperienced to play at the A-grade level and possibly get fried or whatever. Because I think that's happened to a lot of A-grade horses where you don't have a choice. So you take your young horse and you play them in this tournament and you tell everyone, but it doesn't matter. Everyone's going, like I said, there's very few tournaments a year that we can attend. So everyone's going hard and they're trying their hardest and your horse just loses its mind, your young horse. Personally, if I'm going to a tournament, I'm not going to choose my young horse that I know is going to freak out in A grade over my seasoned horse. And that's why I really think the multi-horse is really, really good because I don't think one game a weekend is good enough, like back to back. I like to spread it out. So like one chuck a game for my horse, for my young horse. That's what I've done at the past tournaments that I've been able to do that at. And I think that's been very, very beneficial to my young horse for sure. But you said you wouldn't take your young horse and play it in A grade. So isn't one chuck a too much? So you're actually talking against this multi-horse concept, Emma. I would play her in a as a two you have to slowly introduce them so in a social in game on sunday afternoon yeah but after that so i've played her for the past year slowly but i've only been able to play her at two tournaments slowly right and then at the lone star play day weekend which was non-sanctioned so i was able to play her as much as i wanted carl and i we split up and we played her four chuckas within the weekend and that was huge for her she's just from that weekend she's grown so much as a polo cross horse and just as a horse in general. Like she's gotten so much better just from that one weekend. Again, I'm not convinced that I'm extremely excited about putting her straight into A grade for an entire weekend. She's not ready for that whatsoever. So Ryan, we played at a tournament uh, at Sugarloaf. You know, we had some things going on, right? Ryan, Ryan's got a really nice young stock horse, Aurora. That's a, is that a satellite baby? Yeah. Satellite baby, frozen semen available from uh, saucy farms. Saucy uh, sauce. Saucy sauce. And she's a really nice young mare. And, and, you know, she hasn't had much experience uh, because she was a brood mare and she hasn't been really into the playing game. And then R- Ryan and I both um, being older guys ourselves, play older horses. And my older horse was coming off of a hoof abscess. I was fortunate enough to get 
uh, a spare horse from your family to take Emma. And we went to this tournament. You know, we recognized that it wasn't nationals. It wasn't a regional tournament. And we said right off the bat, we said, we, we don't care. We will forfeit every game that we play in because Ryan, you know, I think that Ryan's young horse played with, with Ryan, played with Aaron. My horse who, you know, was just coming off the abscess, wasn't legged up, you know, well enough that I felt comfortable playing her for the whole weekend. So we brought in Rosso and we played her and we had a great experience. And I think it was really good for our young horses. And it was a good training experience. You know, we won every game, every game we played. Was that right? Yeah, we won every game we played, but we still, we didn't place because we, we forfeited. And that was a decision we made as a great players, you know, to say we value putting our horses first. So I think that, I guess the point that the reason that we're, we we're publishing this conversation is so that the APA membership recognizes that there are differences of opinion on the board. You'll have different board members advocating for this multi-horse thing or not. And so, and if you feel strongly about it, I encourage you to reach out to Emma Strider. Uh, <laughs> her phone number is, uh, no, I'm just pulling. No, I, I encourage you to reach out to us, right? Because this is something that's going to come up. We've heard from a lot of the, the top A grade players in favor of this multi-horse tournament or multi-horse format. We've heard I've heard a lot from, you know, guys that have been playing for 25, 30 years where they're really, really opposed to it. And, uh, and I understand that and I tend to agree with it. So reach out to all of us, change our minds, uh, one way or the other. If, if you, if you want to try, yeah, know that, know that we're listening, right? Because we're going to do something needs to change with this board in America to help it grow. And that's our, really our goal as board members here is to help facilitate that plan. So if you want to be part of that conversation, reach out to us. Elections will be coming up next year. We hope that lots of people run. Okay. I, you know, I won't belabor the issue. I just, I've asked Raul to, from an umpire standpoint, to really look at this and to formally write down some suggestions, especially with the input of the umpire panel. What I hear often is that the tournament situations are not where their, their new horses exceed and excel and grow. So you know, in the meantime, I would encourage clubs to, and one of the biggest complaints is we don't have enough tournaments. You know, there's nothing that says you can't host two. I know it's a big undertaking and I understand that. And I appreciate all the effort that goes into tournaments, but if it's possible, you know, host more than one, host more play days. It's a, play days are a phenomenal venue to do alternative formats, um, both for player and or horse development, depending on your approach. We have a unique situation here at Grand Bay where we're going to um, do a green horse class. So, you know, you have the tournament that goes on and then in the, uh, I believe they're going to have it in the afternoon about lunchtime, there's going to be a game for green horses. And so everyone that's in that game, it is non-competitive, but the idea is that it's at a tournament. So there's that tournament atmosphere and environment for those horses to experience. And the competitiveness is, you know, it's still there, but in, you know, you're not playing for first place. So, you know, everyone's on the same page there. So that's another unique alternative method to multi-horse. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I would like to see one way or the other, you know, if we decide for it against it, however, we kind of settle as an organization going forward is just guidelines so that we can help our tournament organizers structure their tournament in a way that's uh, fair and safe 
and everyone knows what to expect when they show up. That's, that's my piece. The struggle begins. There's three options. You can stick with the old four games a weekend. You travel 10 hours. You're in a lot of heat and you're playing four games. Horses are not fresh Sunday afternoons for the final. Um, not the best situation, in my opinion. 90% of the, of the world does not play four games on a weekend. Number two, you could try this three plus one format, which is a great idea. Uh, I know Minnesota's done it. Prissy is looking to do it with Lone Star. And so I think that will hopefully become an uh, initiative we can push. Third option is multi-horse, which definitely has its place. As an A grader that uh, has multiple horses that's going for World Cup, I think it definitely has a place. And uh, we need more and more horses uh, in A grade. So uh, I'm on the record of saying that I'm not just an old fuddy dud, but no, we're, we're moving, we're progressing in the APA. We actually play the overarm here, which is kind of a weird thing. It used to be a weird thing, but now it's like a normal thing that we've come to accept. And so now we have to accept things like this because um, back in the day, that just was not, I think that's it. We've covered everything about the APA, all the different programs. And then just to finish us off here, I'm, I'd like to do a little sing-along. Aren't you, aren't you a Boston Red Sox fan? Uh, my parents kind of are, but oh. we're, we've been always like Washington fans, I guess. They're going to love this. Okay, here we go. Can you hear that? Come on, sing. Anyone know these? Good night, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> and then it became the summer. <laughs> we had a good day. And touching hands. Reaching out. Touching you, touching me, you, sweet Caroline, ba-ba-ba, good time, never seen so good. Come on. I can't do it. I can't ba-ba-ba, to believe it never would, but now. All right, Ryan. Love you, man. I got to go. It's been real. Carl, good to see you. Bye, Paul. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Come on. Sing. I, <laughs> I've sung it in public about this many times. <laughs> One more chorus. Holding you. One touching one reaching out touching you touching you sweet Caroline time never seems so good so good so good 
I've been inclined. What now? Why did you pick this song? Because I thought you guys would know it. I mean, I know the song. I don't really know. Emma, Emma knows it. She's cheating. Emma sing. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Your time never seemed so good. So good. So good. Hi, Caroline. Leave it never would. Okay. All right. That was a big fail, guys. Um, I'm still gonna put it on. All right. So thanks for being on the podcast. We lost Paul. Apparently, he can't sing out loud when he's his wife's trying to sleep. I appreciate the time. It was over. It was two hours. I know it took a while, but uh, thanks for giving Emma up, Carl, for a couple hours. Uh, you guys can resume what you what you got going on there with the birthday party. That song was dedicated to your parents, so they'll be happy to hear that and all the effort that you put into singing that for them. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you, Ryan. This was great. Good, exciting things happening for the APA. And if you've listened uh, this whole time, you're, you've heard all the different programs and things that are going on. So take advantage as an APA member. And if you'd like to help out, uh, help make some of these things happen, reach out to us and you can get involved as a, as a volunteer. All right. You guys have a good night. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Be safe. <laughs> take you. it easy. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you can realize all the work that goes into making this association happen. It takes good people like the members of our board that put in endless, countless, thankless hours of work. If you would like to volunteer and help, please get on board. But there's so many great things happening and we are so proud. So cheers to the APA board. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. For more PoloCross coaching, go to PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.